welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Pete Sampson with Tim Priester. Tim O'Malley is our first podcast since we saw opening practice Saturday. We'll see them again Thursday, and we got a little bit of insight from some Sunday highlights that Notre Dame put out. But I guess just in terms of out of the gate, was there anything that really caught your attention on Saturday, good, bad, you know, on either side of that? Yeah, I think I'm more inclined to lean towards you know, guys that are sophomores now that didn't necessarily play last year, those are the guys that should, I know they're not new and shiny like the Dante Vaughns, who obviously was very impressive. And very Tony, new and very shiny. Very new and very shiny with good size. Yeah. Uh, and, to, and Tony Jones, who obviously yeah. looked very, very good. But, I mean, I, you know, I mean, we mentioned some of these guys on Saturday. Nick Coleman, I don't know that we said anything about uh, Tommy Kramer per se, but uh, he, he did get some number one reps when Hunter Bibbon went out. And I think that... Physically, he looks pretty impressive. Ashton White, a guy that caught your attention, Pete, in the spring, I think stood out uh, stood out again on Saturday. Yeah, Ashton White was the he's kind of the example for me of what I liked about practice was how aggressive some of those young corners and young safeties are. Um, I think that's important. I now look, they're probably going to win every time we watch against a, a young learning wide receiver group because, as Tim pointed out on our uh, instant analysis, or excuse me, in your piece, um, practice observations. Some of these misses we're going to be recording is because they do not have continuity. I really wanted to, and receiver. I really, when we walked away from Culver that day, I felt like saying, I felt like I was a little, uh, like we were both kind of inaccurate and talking yes. about the quarterbacks. About Kaiser because, missing. Now, a couple of them just bounced on the ground 10 yards away from something. Those were bad throws. Yeah, but there's other ones that were nothing right. to do with when that. When you don't know the nuances of your receiver and where he's going to end up, you're going, right. you're going to have some misses. Which so. is why I asked Brian Kelly about that on Friday. Just with so much youth at receiver do you have to change the way your offense runs because you can't rely on those decisions being made correctly at a high enough level for your offense to work I mean that was something one of his former assistants told me I think I was asking her about uh, Justin Brent uh, when he was a freshman it's like well, you know he's such a great athlete like, why doesn't he ever get on the field it's like this is a really hard offense to learn for a freshman wide receiver and Kelly's counter was look we're probably not going to be relying on the freshmen. We're going to be relying on the sophomores. But I think even in that group, it's a complicated thing to learn. So I and that sort of leads me to something I want to ask Kelly about on Thursday. It's like, if you're going to evaluate Kaiser versus Ayer based on everything you see, like how valuable are those reps when you're actually working with the second team? Is it, did you weight the reps with the first team differently than... When you're working with the second I think you, team, I think it's a decision making process, right? Yeah. right? You you look at was it a good decision or a bad decision? Yeah, and, and that's Ke- probably right. how Ke- they. And, and unlike us, Brian Kelly knows exactly what was supposed to happen <laughs> right. on those yeah. plays about who made the mistake. Right. But I just think it's like you almost have to weight those reps differently to me because whether it's the second team offensive line, like okay, I had enough time to throw I'm Malik Zaire because Quentin Nelson is in front of me. Well, Deshaun Kaiser gets Trevor Ruland. That's not the same thing. Um, so I, I'm just sort of curious about the decision-making process based on the thing that, that you guys picked out about the receivers. Now, the flip side, I think we all came away a little bit alarmed about Jerron Jones um, on Saturday based on you know Kelly's commentary at Friday about 20 to 30 reps and then... Jerron basically admitting that, you know, he wasn't, I, I don't know, you guys talked yeah. to him, did, did he say I, I, he just I, was not, at, he, he just didn't tell the truth to the training staff? Yeah. Like, how did that 
play out. He just wasn't as healthy as he told the staff, I guess. He really okay. couldn't go as right. well as and he wanted he told to. me he probably shouldn't have played in the bowl game. I guess I'm sure, kind of... Sure, I would assume he shouldn't That have, I can but, understand. Yeah, but you're yeah. telling me in the spring that you weren't, you weren't ready in the spring either. I'm alarmed, not because of what I saw, but because I have never seen in my life walked away from a practice and thought Jerron Jones looked good in practice. I, I mean, he's looked good in games. He was the yeah. best player on a football field with 20 pros yes. in Tallahassee. <laughs> so he's looked good in games, but I've never been like, man, Jerron you know Jones what? really picked it up You know, practice. I thought that was an awfully long time ago. It was, but I'm saying, <laughs> you know, well, all it's sort of the bad practices too, but yeah. I mean, it's, now, yeah, I, I think, I don't think you're right. practice and when, and when Brian Van Gorder is yelling, body language, Jerry, <laughs> you know, you don't want, you just don't want to hear that right now. No. The, I think the one interior defensive lineman you can count on is Daniel Cage. I mean, Daniel you grind Cage. grind to one practice isn't when you should hear body language in August. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, right. First, first practice. Yeah, not not a good, I mean, just not a good sign. It's tough. It's Yeah, it's tough to look at that roster without Sheldon Bay and be like, oh, yeah, I can see where the yeah. defensive line is. No, I think a good work. sign, yeah, I, I think Jay Hayes is a good sign, at least as it pertains Against the run, he made some plays in practice. He did. Too. I mean, he they did. were like, "Well, this guy looks right." Good. And he and he was making plays, moving laterally on the edge. Yeah, and understanding how the play worked. Yeah. So I mean, I was encouraged to see that, and you know that they have Isaac Rochelle. And getting back to what you said, Tim, we know Jerron Jones can do it. Yeah. We've seen him do it. We somewhat know that Jerry Tillery is capable of doing it if he if he is a hundred percent. Focused on football, as right. Rochelle said. My concern with Jones is, did the Liz Frank surgery and the knee injury and his weight, he needs to be his weight, I'm not saying he's overweight, but did the, a big man with those two lower leg injuries, did it take away his explosiveness? Is he going to be the same? Did he work to get back to be the same? And is he only going to be playing, we'll send you snaps he plays, but is it 25 snaps because he's not really all the way back? Or is it because they think that's how they get the most out of him? I, You know, if he's not really all the way back... Or is it being That's said just to motivate them? I, yeah, mean, I think yeah. all those things all are in play I mean, it just, uh, at it this just, time. It, sound, it has all the markings of Lewis Nix in 2013 to me. Um, yeah. Maybe not exactly the same, but, oh, Konar is running with the ones, and Lewis Nix is with the twos. I'm like, why is this? Is this motivational, or is Lewis Nix really struggling? Um, you know, just Although I think the gap, between K, the gap between Cage and Jerron Jones is smaller than the gap between Knicks and Schwenke. I, I mean, you'd hope so, right? Yeah. I mean, this was we the the 2014 game at Florida State still happened. Um, you know, so it's I that don't was know. a good line. I, I around, around too. You know, it's like yeah. what nine months ago when we were talking about this team and what this team might be like. I think we all sort of assumed that well, Jerron Jones, the Florida State game was going to show up six or seven times and. Based on practice one, you're like, is the Florida State game going to show up at all? Um, so that's that's a concern. You needed it's a really young defense, so you need the few veteran guys there to to really bring it on a weekly basis. And I think we're you know, I mean, every, every year we see Isaac Rochelle getting bumped inside. I think passing situations, you can see it. You know, a, a Trombetti and Dalen Hayes on the yeah. field together. Maybe I, we haven't seen that, but just saying that you bump. Rochelle inside to solidify that that part of it, but it's a concern, and, and I'm going to babble on about it until it's proven otherwise. Because I, I just think that that's. Well, but, but Hayes, Jay Hayes, 
I think is encouraging. And for this particular group up front, we'll get a better look Thursday when they're in pads and a couple more padded ones. You right. know, that, that's that's yep. the time to watch Jerron Jones yeah, a little bit more. And Jay Hayes will be going against McGlinchey, so we'll see. <laughs> right? We'll see in pads, what's, makes what's real and yeah. what isn't. Uh, Max Redfield, I thought, looked good on Saturday. That was encouraging to see. And then, um, you know, some, some of the freshman defensive backs – Really, maybe all of the freshman defensive backs. I'm not sure there was one out there. Yeah, I don't know the Jalen Elliott. We saw much of him. I was a little surprised to see that we did um, with the two. I couldn't. Troy Pride. I mean, did you form any kind of opinion on that? I liked what I saw, but then he tapped out for heat. Um, Yeah. You know, but uh, well, Julian Love. Julian Love definitely had a good number two nickel. he broke up a pass to Torrey Hunter, um, which, I mean, you guys watched Hunter more than I. It sounded like he caught everything. The one time I watched Hunter, it was like, oh, I dropped it because Julian Love yeah, see, I didn't took cut, it When took we caught drops, there. that was, that was yeah. definitely forced Julie by Love. Love. Yeah. took it away. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, Dante Vaughn, I wrote it in my practice report. He's It almost looks like he's been here for a few years based on how slow the game seems to him. I mean, when that ball was up, I can't remember who it was intended for. McKinley. Was it? Deep one on the left side. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it hung in the air, but how many times do you see a young defensive back panic? They start pawing at right. the receiver. He just turns. He's running. He's running. He's turning. And he just that's knocks impressive. it away. That's mm-hmm. impressive. So you nice know, and that's see. why body language. I mean, any coach will, body language is so important. And look, I mean, look look at Dante Vaughn's body language. He got up. He was, he was head up on, I don't remember who it was at one time. Uh, McIntosh. Yeah, he was, yeah. well, okay. Oh, yeah. Maybe he feels a little bit more confident going against a freshman, but uh, Mac- McIntosh made a great, an amazing catch a little bit later. But uh, yeah, body language. I mean, it sets. It, oh, it, Ashton it, White's body language was great. Absolutely. Saying. Absolutely. I mean, he just. And he, Coleman's too. Yeah. yeah. Ashton yes, White yes. destroyed Javon McKinley on some rep and then just was all up in his face. And McKinley was like, just kind of dropped his shoulders and turned around and walked back to the huddle. I mean, it. That's just, I, I like to see that stuff. Um, I mean, that's one of the things I think Quentin Nelson is really impressive physically, but also when he beats you, you know that you got your butt whipped, uh, and he does that to pretty much everybody on the interior I think defensive line. Just about every team in the country w- will struggle or would struggle against that left side in Oregon's yeah, offensive yeah. line. I mean, my God. Yeah, if Hayes and Tillery look Nelson, good in, those, in August, that's a good sign because they're going against some rocks yeah, yeah, on that side, yeah. man. That, uh, yeah, and I mean, the quarterbacks overall, we kind of touched on it earlier before moving to segment two here, but I, I'm i not sure either of them look great, um, but, you know, it's practice one, and there's a lot of youth at wide receiver that is going to – It's it's going to make it difficult for us to sort of get a read on them, I think. It really is. Wimbush threw the ball well, man. And kid, Jesus, I mean, you want to talk about tools. Good Lord, that kid. That kid has all the physical tools. I know people that's want to put him in. explosion three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, but, and that's the point. He has all the physical skills. He's not ready to run the Notre Dame offense, so there's no sense in pushing for, for him to get playing time. If you can preserve the year, go for it. Look, the other two. We're holding Zaire and Kaiser or Zeiser to a to a standard that you know is a little unrealistic for the first day of preseason yeah, they, practice. They weren't any good last year in Culver's first practice, and they were awfully good during the season. So we just we expect a lot out of them. Out we of expect them, them at this stage. We, we I mean Kaiser's development last year and Zaire's been around for seven or eight years now. So <laughs> I mean, or so it seems. We just expect them to be really, really yeah, good all the time. I think it's. <laughs> to expect like what you saw from Brady Quinn as a senior in camp, or uh, you know even Jimmy Clausen right, as a junior, junior is yeah. is silly. Um, well, it's Kaiser's. That was Kaiser's first practice. 
in the fall as the incumbent. I mean, he's never yeah. he's never yeah. been in that situation before. That's why when you say Quinn, no, he's not going to carry himself like a senior. He's a redshirt sophomore with three years of eligibility left. Yeah, no question. All right, well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. We've got a bunch of questions for our readers, so we'll jump into all that on segment two. back with segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's our burning up the board section and we start with Blue Chip Man. Any practice observations of Mike Sanford or Brian Van Gorder that can be shared? I have one of Sanford and Monty Van Gorder. In a race of 75 yards, Van Gorder beat him by a solid 10 yards. And, and it was, Sanford can move I saw, too. It was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he can run. It man. was impressive. No, he wasn't padded up. like. <laughs> no, that's true. Oh no, was, Montgomery wasn't in full pads. But Sanford, I've heard, has said privately that he thinks Van Gorder would start at pretty much every Mac school. Like He's a, he's a legitimate quarterback. Oh, Just not here. Um, yeah, there's really no way of us ever seeing that. No. Right. Um, he throws the, he throws well, though. I mean, I watched, we've yeah. seen some of the walk-ons yeah. throw in the past. I watched Brian Van Gorder a little bit. He was working with the defensive backs, for the most part, where Elston handled the linebackers. So, I mean, you're throwing Van Gorder, Light, and Burris at that position. Um, I think overall that makes sense. Like, it's not something that didn't happen in the spring or didn't happen last year, but... Um, yeah, that that was about it. I didn't really hear a ton from Van Gorder during the practice. Um, we was, did, we did. Yeah, <laughs> we were because um, okay. we, we had our backs to it. Oh. We were watching the offense. That's why we had yeah. our backs to it, not to be we're bad reporters. We yeah. had our backs to it because we were watching the offense. But yeah, I, yeah, I heard. A, uh, it seemed like he had a lot of at least for one particular. It was defensive backs, I believe, because at least for one large yeah. segment, it was constant information overload. I mean, yeah. just maybe it, it, that's probably very important. You probably have to do it the first couple it's days. It's the first day. Yeah, we but understand that. But I zoned out for crying out loud. But I think that no. that I, I think there's a tendency. I yeah. mean, we've been at practices where he where he goes on, and I've had experience where you where you're talking to your players and you you see him start to look other places because their their level of concentration is only yeah. going to last so long. But I understand first day. He's a guy that sh- that has a lot to say as far as sharing information. You know, and I didn't really pay as much attention to Stanford as I did Kelly. Kelly was involved, I think. Pete yeah, I'm up same way. The wide receivers quite a bit, and yeah. he had some instruction for St. Brown on a couple things, including when St. Brown made a nice catch in a drill and kept his foot in, kind of a toe tapper, but Kelly had something to tell him about. Maybe it must have been the way he ran the route or something, because to yeah. the layman it looked like a great play, but right. Kelly really talked to him about it afterwards. We heard so. Mike Elston uh, encouraging Josh Barajas not Oof. to give up any more touchdown passes. Yeah, that was the quote of the day. That was... <laughs> Pete put it in his training game. Yeah, it was, a rough, it was just a rough practice for yeah. Barajas. I mean, there's no way around it. I heard he stand, and I was 75 yards and 30 rows up. Away. Yeah, it's like and I didn't hear can... anything from him until, like... <laughs> 80% of the practice, and then we all heard Harry I can't remember who was getting it. But I think like, it was Alex Bars. Got a lot of it. Uh, yeah. Somebody yeah. was. Yeah, it's the right tackle. It's the opening practice right tackle uh, the guy, dress down. It's the guy you have a lot of expectations for. McGlinchey last year, Bars this year. Yeah. McGlinchey got it worse than anyone's ever received yeah. it last year. Yeah. That was, leave. Yeah, that was that <laughs> awkward. Was bad. I brought it. I said the other day. I brought it up to him, and I, you know, I, I mean, I don't think it's something to McGlinchey, McGlinchey. not yeah. East Stand. No, not <laughs> East Stand. I, I don't think it. You know, it isn't something McGlinchey wants to to dwell on. It yeah. was a it was a rough moment on the practice field where the media caught it. But he lugged he his affinity affinity for Harry East Stand is impressive. yeah, it's off the chart. He really loves the guy. He says that look, we love the fact that he is ours. 
He is the offensive line coach. He recruits offensive linemen. We're his offensive linemen. He'll do anything for us. It's kind of interesting. It's like they have their own bunker, and I think that's a great thing. And, you know, Mike Sanford thinks that's a good thing, too. If I told you his quote before where he came in offensive coordinator officially of the official title, and we asked him, do you jump in and offer your thoughts to Coach Eastander? Coach <laughs> and he said, I think I believe you should plow your own field. Absolutely. And Harry Eastand definitely plows his own field. Yeah. He is singular that re- focus. That reminds me when I was going through the depth chart, including everybody for, for us, and it shifted after Saturday. And there were a couple uh, uh, number changes that I hadn't acknowledged when I did, did it first. And I'm going through the offensive lineman looking for number changes. Like no offensive lineman's ever changed his number. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. They don't, yeah, the they don't. Yeah, that would be like, hey, Coach Eastan, will you mind if I change my number? Get yeah. out of here. Yeah, well, it's like we. So every training camp, it seems like one of the open practices, the official last practice of training camp, and most of Notre Dame's players switch jerseys with their friends, and this like Joe Cry. It makes it impossible to see what's going on, except for the offensive lineman. <laughs> Because I don't think Harry Heastan wants to put up with that crap. Uh, everybody else is like, that's fine, you could do it. Let's have some fun. The offensive lineman is no fun. Even then, they yeah. don't change their numbers. Okay, question from Jay Sclerick. Has Malik Zaire's throwing motion always had such a circular wind-up? I don't like to try to answer those. As if you're not a quarterback's coach, it's hard to say it as a writer. But I did go back and look, and yes. I look back at, yeah, L- I I look back at LSU. I look back at yeah, LSU, Texas. And I think it's more, I think that was actually, he had, he had a short arm throw in high school. And I think this was probably the way that they first worked to. You can't have a short arm throw. I mean, you can't do that. So it's he, yeah. he doesn't have a slow release, though. No, he doesn't. But I think that sometimes when he's scanning, 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 and then has to make a split second decision, mm-hmm. that circular wind up in motion, then it, it's a, then it's a little bit long. I think the only time I see him labor is like that. I wrote it in there. It's when he's throwing that deep, not deep out, but field side out, far out, I think that's when you really see him wind up and try to get and it all they in start, there. And they tend to float on yeah, him. They tend yeah. to get away from him a little bit. Yeah, I, I think he's just got, he's got, you could say he's a, he has an inconsistent motion or he changes his delivery based on the pass. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's completed, then it's always changing his deli- angle based on the pass. If he's incomplete, yeah. it's like, oh, he's got an inconsistent delivery. It's just... <laughs> You know, he, he had to work on it a lot. I mean, yeah. he, that's why you see him going out to Arizona and working with private quarterback coach and, and doing all that stuff. And it's not like Deshaun Kaiser didn't, but I think that's just, that's who Zaire is. CPU 15, based on physical development and limited practice, are there any young guys that look ready to contribute? Dante Vaughn certainly, you know, jumped out at us. And when you say young guys, again, I... I I'm looking really more. You know, we, we're looking at the freshmen because we haven't seen them, but you you really study Second the sophomores, guys. right? I mean, the Dexter Williams. I know he was slowed on Saturday, but I mean, I think that's obviously that's a guy, Tim, that that you're looking to to play a big role. Brian Kelly mentioned it as well. He looks uh, the part. Yeah, I mean, and then well, I mean, just no. f- physically, yeah. um, Tommy Kramer. Yep. I mean, he doesn't look like a true freshman. I think I I, I liked what I saw Javon McKinley on Saturday. I thought that. He played with decisiveness, and he's put together well. Maybe not quite as tall as he was. Mm-hmm. What was he originally listed he was at? Six, like three six on signing day and six one. And six a half one now. and a half. But he still has good size. Jay, uh, Jay Hayes is still a freshman, or um, uh, Dalen, Dalen Hayes. Hayes is still a freshman, and and he looks like you know he's ready to contribute. Stefferson, not so much physically, right. but in terms of the way he plays. In terms of plays football, I was actually going to bring him up. He is slightly built. 
and I think if Notre Dame can stay healthy with the guy that's in front of him, which is probably going to be, it looks like the slot, you know, they could easily be moving Stefferson around to try him in a couple different places mm-hmm. because maybe they don't want him stuck behind Torrey Hunter mm-hmm. Jr. all year. But yeah, Stefferson, as long as he's not asked to take a whole game full of reps as Torrey Hunter did in the, at the Z position last year, I mean, he'll, he'll be fine because he's, he's a natural wide receiver, but boy, the, he's going to be hitting the weight room. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> in, no, in no. the future. Any, any, guys, I mean, yeah. you look at, if you just looked at, Kevin Stefferson standing there in his jersey, number 29. One, you're like, that's kind of a weird number. And you'd think that he was a walk-on. Yeah. Just the way that he's built. Chase Claypool looks great in yeah. uniform. Um, he made a nice catch on Sunday based on some of the highlights I saw. But um, Kramer, to me, would be... I guess if it wasn't for Dante Vaughn just having some really freakish dimensions, yeah. Kramer would be the guy who'd be like, wow, that guy's really, really well put together. Similar to Nelson and Barr's. Two years ago, I think when I first saw mm-hmm. them in practice, about man, these guys are. You could pick Nelson out now pretty quickly in a crowd. <laughs> <Jeez>. so, yeah, <laughs> you know what? It's good. He is a. He's not enlisted three forty. He's a three twenty five, and I think that's a. That's just a better weight for him. I mean, well, um, what I had heard was <coughs> so he was three forty last year, three twenties in the spring, and actually showed up to camp at three or uh, June camp at three fifteen. Um, so he's cut a lot of weight, uh, and he, I mean, just looks like. He looks more like an athlete playing guard now than I think you will see anywhere else in the country. Someone's uh, gonna get hurt seriously. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, that left side. That it is. is that is they are a great ridiculous. Left side. I mean, yeah. the talent. You know, <laughs> Ronnie Stanley with that. Just McClinchy well, such a brawl. You know, the name, we, the name we haven't. I mean, it. it there were times when Steve Elmer could be inconsistent, but boy, it sure would look good if he was at right guard right now. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that in a while, but you're right, because that's the one position, and we'll probably touch yeah. on this later on. That, that's yeah. one of the positions that's up for grabs. Uh, Irish Bob, what do you think of the preseason rankings for Notre Dame? Too high, too low, just right? I think they're fine. You know, somewhere between 9 and 12. Um, you know, you, and then you watch the team on Saturday, and it's like, okay, this is, this is a good team. Is it a great team? No. Um, could it be a really good team? Yeah. So, a really good team? Somewhere between nine and twelve, I think sounds right to me. I think if you compare them to last year, when we just we just actually checked back, they were number eleven in both coaches and AP. Maybe they're that team looked better than eleven to me. Yeah. Looking at camp, does that make sense? That yeah, yeah. oh yeah. So well, I think knew, uh, yeah, I, I don't you know. know. I would you didn't know anything about the quarterback position. That the, right, the, right. The problem I have with preseason rankings is it's based upon last year. Yeah. I mean, how much thought goes into into how much a team loses. You know, personnel wise, and if I mean, especially Depends on who's doing the rankings. Yeah, well, and plus, if you're the Florida states and Alabama's obviously of the world, they're going to get the benefit. Ohio State. I mean, yeah. how many guys did Ohio yeah. State lose, and they're still in in top fives? I think the hard thing about these rankings are, I would say, they look like a top fifteen ish, sixteen team to me, and they say, well, who are the fourteen better? Someone's going to say that right away. I don't know. I just know what a top five team looks like, right. a top ten, and a top fifteen range, and I don't, I don't think they look like a top five. Um, I think they get a bump because the quarterback situation is ironclad. No matter what happens, yeah. they're okay. And it's all come. I mean, it'll come down to the defensive line. We'll say that a hundred times between now and Texas. Yeah, the offensive line set. Quarterback, offensive line look great. Um, running I mean, back, I think looks really. Yeah, good. running back looks really good. I mean, if you need positions, though, defensive line is top three, if not top two. <laughs> let's say let, let, let's say you say quarterback, offensive line, defensive line is number three. Oh, yeah. You know, you can argue corners and modern football might be next. Uh, backup defensive line is important too, as the season goes on. So we'll see. But who knows? You know, that you don't necessarily need it as much as they have in the past yeah. either. 
LR Irish, looking at all the number ones, meaning starters, as they appeared on the first day of fall camp, which positions are the most up in the air as far as who will be the eventual starter when they travel to Austin? Right guard, we touched on, right? Yeah. It's going to be, a, it'll be a matchup now if, we think Bivin just had cramps, right? But yeah, I mean, just, he, he was back out. He so. just looked hot and, yeah. <laughs> hot and worn out. <laughs> yeah, he has to play for East stand up the yeah. whole time and impress him as a senior. It's going to to somebody. Right guard, uh, the W position will be interesting. I know they want Equinemius probably to take it, but... A lot of competition there, right? For the for the listeners, it's Equinemius, St. Brown, Miles Boykin, and Claypool and McKinley. Four of them are going. Um, so that's that's a. I would expect St. Brown starts, but I that's one that's open, that. though. You know, yeah, he's it certainly is. one of those guys can impress. I mean, I think you, know? you can you, at, at this stage you can say the will linebacker position is open. Yeah, Bilal, yeah. Bilal yeah. was there again. That's I, I guess that's a good sign coming out of the the spring. Um, Defensive end, I guess the other one technically. That they're going to what work the out right together. defensive yeah, end? I, I think Hayes is yeah. Hayes will start. Jay Hayes will start. Uh, better no, athlete corners. Are nose set. tackle. I guess you can say you're not. We're not sure who's going to start, but I. They're both going to play though. Yeah, they're that's, both that's going that's to play, so position. it doesn't matter. Um, the corner when they're in nickel is interesting. Yeah, I think it's almost certainly going to be Nick Coleman based on Nick Watkins not taking any reps. I mean, Nick Watkins got to really Crawford shifting in from starting corner yeah. to starting nickel. Yeah. So it's like if Texas comes out. Three or four wide, does Nick Coleman start in Austin? Pretty good chance, probably. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. I, there aren't a there aren't a ton of jobs. Certainly not any more than you. I guess there's there's probably fewer jobs open than you would think for a team that's this young. Then we point. thought uh, like maybe that we thought a month ago, even if that makes yeah. any sense, or we could have kind of talked about hey, all the well quarterback. So. <laughs> I <laughs> we should touch on that one. I mean, running back is, but they're both going to play. It's yeah. not running back. It doesn't matter who starts. It's whoever plays better that day, and then he's whoever has a better. I just it's, it's, it, what what's give me paint the scenario that where Malik Zaire takes the first snap against Texas. I just he'd have to. It look. would have to be it would have to be physical adversity suffered by Kaiser. I don't think it goes that far. I mean, I, we all think Kaiser's going to start, but I, I mean, I think if Kaiser has a bad camp and Zaire has a great camp, he would start. Don't you? Do you think Kaiser's going to I have don't. a bad no, camp? No, I don't. I, mean, I don't. I think they're both going to play at Texas. Yeah. Yes. And it's not going to be injury-related. I've only been saying it for 10 months, Pete. Strategically, <laughs> they both will play at Texas. That's No, you're saying they should. He's I'm saying they will. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying find a way for crying out loud. Yeah. It's, Irish Boo are Tory Hunter Jr. and Isaac Rochelle, the players Notre Dame can least afford to lose this year, crossing my fingers and knocking on wood, so this question is not a jinx. They would be right at yeah. the top there, I think, with you know Nelson and McGlinchey. Yes. <laughs> I, I, would, I would go to them over Hunter because I think you can manufacture stuff with wide receivers. Yeah, I, guess. I think you can fake it a little with wide receivers. Yeah. And you but Tory Hunter, Hunter's going to catch 70 oh, passes. Oh, it would stink. <laughs> it would not be good to let us say, oh, I don't need Hunter. I'm just saying that you can manufacture an offense yeah. around other wide receivers. You can't manufacture third and one without Nelson and McClinchy over there. <laughs> well, Nelson may be the best guard in the country, so no, you don't want to lose him. And you can't either. lose Rochelle if you're Notre Dame. Yeah. No. Uh, and, and, well, obviously, you can't lose Crawford either because then you don't have a nickel. <laughs> right. You've got to scrap the entire... For the whole year. <laughs> we're, we're done. You can't do anything. I mean, Drew Tranquil would be high on my list, yeah. which is a little frightening because he's had two ACLs. Yeah. Um, I mean, true. watching the safeties line up and take reps, you realize how poor they are at that position right now in terms of depth. Um, I think Stud Soul has a chance to be good, but was I mean, he limited yesterday? Was he what was um, limiting him? We didn't see I don't really know. I mean, he was running with the twos just fine. Okay, um, and then maybe but, just maybe he had heat issues. Too. Yeah, but I just I mean I look at the safety position and 
pretty much whenever you get Avery Sebastian out there, it just physically doesn't feel like he can keep up with receivers. Same with Nico Fertitta. I mean, you're you're looking to get a a fre- like two or three freshmen ready to play in the opener, right? So if you have to play them because you don't have Tranquil, then you're in deep trouble. So I, Drew Tranquil would be really high on my list. That's of a good call. Indispensable. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, we go to Ant for Indy Irish. Pete, you made a comment about the defense not having the alpha dog talent they had last year. Does that mean the defense will be as bad as last year? No, not necessarily. Um, and I actually, I would, I would throw Dennis Morgan as indispensable, yeah. even though he's never really played in a like a meaningful the season's not off the tracks type of situation. Um, no, I, I don't think the defense has to be as bad as it was last year just because they don't have a Russell or a Day or a Jalen Smith or even a Joe Schmidt. Um, you know, Tranquil made the point on Saturday that. Hey, first year, nobody knew the defense, so nobody can teach the defense to anybody else. Uh, that was and, interesting. And that's not the case anymore. Um, so if that is, in fact, true, if older players can, in fact, teach the defense to younger players outside of the training camp practices and film sessions, then the defense can be better because the backups should be better because they should know the defense better. Um do I think the defense is going to be as good as it was last year? I, I don't know. I, I mean, just logically, it doesn't make any sense to sit here and be like, yeah, the defense is going to be better when you lose the best linebacker athlete who's ever played here, and Sheldon Day and Kawhi Russell and all those guys. But does the can the defense have fewer mental mistakes than last yes. year? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that has because that has nothing to do with right. athletic ability. That has everything to do with understanding what the heck you're supposed to be doing. And I think Kelly believes completely what he told me, that the whole is greater than the sum of these parts. Has which to is, be. Which is why I came back with, is it fair to say that you're more confident in your twos and threes relative to your ones? In other words, last year you walked in and you're like, well, Joe Schmidt, Jalen Smith, Sheldon Day, let's go live. Isaac Rochelle, Cole Luke, Kavari Russell, let's go play. Yeah. Now he really likes having Ashton White and Nick Coleman and Greer Martini backing everybody up, and he likes the fact that some guys are maturing. But are the front-line guys going to be anywhere near as good as the people we mentioned? Now, you, they can be better at corner. We keep saying Kamari Russell. They, they better be better at corner overall than they were last year. Yeah, Luke and Crawford have to be better than Luke and Russell were last year. And the Nichols. Well, the Nichols should be better than it was last year. Because, I mean, that was you know, another thing Tranquil <laughs> yeah. said, because um, I said we were talking about how there's you know, this increased knowledge of the defense. And I said, well, what about just the increased number of players you have available to play nickel and dime. He's like, that was big. Cause I mean, he was like, I'm watching the Ohio state tape and I'm just seeing they're like, they're just picking on us and picking on us and picking on us. Cause we cannot match up with them at the inside receiver positions. They were throwing, they had Jerry Grace had to come. Yeah, now they can do that. Yeah. And they should be able to continue to do that even with an injury or two. Yeah. I, I think that's huge. I, I, I don't, I don't know that people in general understand how, Important it is to have that nickel, that lockdown nickel, and Crawford, if he can stay healthy, is absolutely that guy. That is a difference maker. That is the difference between you know a, a second or two as to how long a quarterback has to yeah. throw. When you can turn and find that slot guy and bail yourself out. Now, when you turn and look to that slot guy and he's blanketed by Sean Crawford, now you have to hold the ball a little bit longer. 
And Nordim needs that because we don't know exactly where the pass rush is coming Plus, from. they have to have guys that make plays. You have to have a Shane Walton or Von... Not Shane Walton, probably excessive. That year where Vontez Duff is making plays that take away drives and touchdowns. It's like the Nordim USC game last year. All of a sudden, Kavari Russell just changed the fourth quarter by making a leaping pick and then knocking a pass down mm-hmm. that was intercepted by Redfield. Those are just two plays made that if one of them isn't made, maybe USC scores. And, and I mean, Temple, the very next game. Sure, sure. You know, same, same situation. He could make a play and change what was happening. Yeah. Whereas I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Cole Luke has done that. If you play, yeah, what he, the two you picks against pick Stanford, it was kind of two picks against Stanford two years ago was kind of, you know what, he was playing his position right. Clemson yeah, last year. Yeah, that's right. They that was underrated play because we all thought it was over and yeah. it clearly wasn't. But Sean Crawford is a playmaker, um, and those are just, those. It's hard to find guys who can do more than just sort of hang on and be in the right place. Like, and Niles Morgan could be because that's just as mar- in the passing game. I'm talking about he covers well, oh, and man. there was nothing of that last year. And it's important that I mean, it's, you're it's, not going to be able to like run your tight end down the seam mm-hmm. of the seam well, of Notre Dame's defense. Th- I mean, year. think about what we remember when we were joking last year about Joe Schmidt running around in space. I mean, Niles Morgan yeah. is eminently more qualified to, to and that do was, that. I mean, what happened last year, to me, it felt like, okay, Joe Schmidt can't cover. Uh, he can run in a straight line, so let's send him, even though he's not great there, and then drop Jalen Smith into coverage. Now, I would send Asmar Bilal, who's a hell of a lot more athletic than Joe Schmidt, certainly doesn't have an understanding of the defense like Schmidt did. And then if you drop Morgan in coverage, you're... Lose, you're losing athleticism from Jalen Smith, but he's still really, really, really yeah. good. And so, it's important. Yeah, that's an important area to be covering to the way. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I that's sort of getting back to the can the defense be better overall statistically? Yeah. I mean, also instead of Deshaun Watson and Kevin Hogan, they get Cody Kessler and yeah, Cody yeah. Kessler. They're getting well. You're probably getting a true freshman Shane starting in Bouchel, the first game, Shane Bouchel. and. Uh, Keller Christ, I think it's Stanford. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I can't remember. No, a lot. Tyler, Stanford, Tyler yeah. O'Connor. We you tell me what team he plays. We've for? talked a lot about the guys that are gone. Michigan State. I mean, yeah. yeah, well, instead of Connor Cook, I mean, that, that yeah. they played him last year, but these oh, guys no are doubt. I mean, that, other than Brad Kaya, there's not a lot back. No. Yeah, the quarterback at Nevada yeah. is one of the most yeah. experienced quarterbacks on on Notre Dame's schedule. Trap. So yeah, uh, yeah, potentially. Well, Brian Pullian's going to have his team fired up. Short rest. Game two, Jinx. He's got Brank Pullian's got a long memory, doesn't he? Yes, he does. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, which probably three people understood, uh, we're going to come back on Monday, August 15th. We're going to see a full practice Thursday morning and then a full practice Saturday morning. We have a couple access points to Brian Kelly and some players on Thursday. So, yeah, we'll be back with our next podcast Monday, August 15th to break down, I think, four full hours of practice, some of it in full pads, I believe, too. So we should be picking up quite a bit in the next week, and we'll talk to you Monday, August 15th. Thanks for listening.